0: Chicken on a stick. Hi, I'm Patrick.
1: I'm Maggie.
0: And we are Chicken on a Stick. Welcome back to another episode.
1: Welcome, welcome.
0: Today we're going to be talking about the 1960 Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece, I suppose you'd say. Masterpiece. Psycho.
1: Psycho.
0: Um, admittedly, this is the first time I've ever actually seen the movie fully.
1: Can I can't, I can't <laughs> believe that.
0: I. It, it's so. It's just such a popular film that I already knew. What happened and sort of right. the twists and like, like the famous bits to it. Right. I just never really seen
1: the in between. It is probably hands down one of my all time favorite movies. You've gifted you gifted me a poster. Yeah. A, a metal poster of it one time. I think it was like Christmas or something.
0: I mean, either Christmas or your birthday. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not getting okay, any right. New Year's gifts.
1: No, <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, it is such a good movie such a classic so I don't know so when you when you watch um, uh, people that do like cinema like going over the years there's always a clip of psycho
0: that's true so that's what we're gonna be discussing today yep uh, we'll see you back in a minute
2: yep I am sorry I, I only felt. It seems she's hurting you. I meant well.
0: People always mean well. They cluck their thick tongues and shake their heads and suggest oh so very delicately. Of course, I've suggested it myself. But I hate to even
2: think about it. She needs me. It's not as if she were a,
0: a maniac, a raving thing.
2: She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes.
1: <laughs> Haven't you?
0: Okay, so before we jump into the movie, just kind of a few sort of small history tidbits. Mm-hmm. Um, Alfred Hitchcock, at this point, 1960, well-known. This is actually coming sort of in the later half of his career. He'd already done a number of, uh, relatively big movies at the time, although Psycho does kind of live as his, like, most well-known film.
1: Like his bread and butter. Yeah,
0: I mean, you'd you'd also know things like Rear Window, Rope, Mm -hmm. Vertigo, North by Northwest, stuff like that, but nothing quite... Uh, lives out its legacy as much as Psycho yeah, does. Psycho. Uh, however, Psycho is an adaptation from a 1959 horror novel of the same name by Robert Block. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but it is what it is. And the story focuses on Norman Bates, although the character in the novel is slightly different from the character that Anthony Perkins portrays in the actual film. Yeah. Um the story kind of goes that alfred hitchcock in wrapping up north by northwest was ready to look for his next project Mm -hmm. and his assistant um saw a sort of a a review of this novel in like the new york times or something like that Mm -hmm. and suggested it and while hitchcock was on a flight back to london he saw in the airport one of the books and he bought it and he read it on the flight over there, and then apparently when he landed, he called her and said, that's the next one. We're doing that. That's so let's figure that out. Yeah. Um, the story of Psycho, and more specifically of Norman Bates, the character, um, and with a lot of characters in horror history, mm-hmm. we're looking at Leatherface, we're looking at Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, some other ones, is... Kind of inspired by the killer, Ed Gein. Um, A little bit of history. Although the author does say that at the time when he started writing and was basically completing the book, he had no idea who Ed Gein was at the time. But, you know, I'll leave that kind of up to you on whether you decide it's, like, coincidental or not. This kind of goes back to when we talked in Battle Royale that the writer of Hunger Games claims... She had never heard of it beforehand, but then it's like, well, it existed, like, ten years before you even wrote your book or something like that. So, it's either coincidental, or you can kind of take what the author says with a grain of salt and be like, well, no, it's kind of clear that he was inspired, and maybe he just doesn't want it. There
1: there are so many times that when we watch a horror movie, I'll be like, is this an edging thing or not
0: <laughs> the one that makes me the most angry is leatherface because leatherface texas chainsaw massacre movie yeah most specifically the i want to say like 2003 sort of relaunch to the franchise mm-hmm. claimed that it was like fully true story and has this opening right. shot is like this sort of body cam footage from a police officer to be like, oh, it's real. This was, yeah. this is footage we recovered from the house. Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't real. Get right. that out of your head if you believe that. It's not real. It's based on Ed, Ed Gein. Gein. Yeah. Now, a little history for Ed Gein, in case you don't know. Generally...
1: By, by the way, that's a very devastating to someone who loves found footage movies. Yeah. well, <laughs> I was like, oh, man... <laughs> Um, a little bit of history, and again, this ties back into the
0: book and, and why I think, you know, make up your own mind on if you believe the author of the psycho novel or not. But in November of 1957, which was two years before the book was published, Ed Gein was arrested in his hometown of Plainfield, Wisconsin, for murdering two women. Um, it was a local like convenience store worker or grocery store worker, and then a hardware store lady. Mm-hmm. Um, when the police searched his home they had found uh, he had furniture that was upholstered with human uh, flesh yeah, he like had silverware lamps. and plates and stuff made out of human bones mm. basically he was a great he dug up graves uh, and then he cut up those bodies and took pieces and stuff and uh, he also... Supposedly, according to the uh, psychiatrist examining him, theorized he was making a woman suit to yeah. try and uh, pretend to be his dead mother. Again, when we get into the movie, that's going to make a lot more sense. Yeah, uh, and really, his really gross. And his mother was described as being, she was dead at this point, was described as being very domineer, uh, dominated On her son. Like, very overbearing and, like, demanding of him and stuff. Again, things that make a lot more sense when you watch the Psycho movie. Um... But Block, the writer, claims that even though at the time he only lived 35 miles away from Plainfield, Wisconsin, had no idea about any of this until after the fact, um... So, again, like I said, it's kind of up to you on whether or not you believe it. Now, Was
1: it Ed King also the clown guy?
0: The clown guy. What does that mean?
1: Wasn't there someone that was, like, dressed up as a clown? No, no, it? no. John
0: Wayne Gacy is the oh, clown, clown that's, guy.
2: Oh, that's the clown guy. Okay.
0: <laughs> different different, different <laughs> uh, serial killer. Different serial
1: killer. Equally terrifying.
0: <laughs> um, so... <laughs> that's so funny. Um... Okay, so we can just kind of jump into the movie at this point. Um, I think you can actually also sort of call Psycho an independent film, because the studios did not want to make the movie. They didn't. Um, Universal, uh, or uh, whatever company it was, Hitchcock went to them, said, this is what I want to do. They basically said no. He goes, okay, so what if I get... Uh, less than a million dollars, mm-hmm. budget, we'll do. We'll cut all these things, we'll do this stuff. They still said no. He said, fine, I will finance it myself, yep. and I'll go to, like, Universal or whatever, and that's what ended up happening, is he financed it himself yeah. uh, to make them... Basically, they just agreed, sure, if you're going to pay for it out of pocket, fine, fucking make it. Why yeah. not? He also used... He was filming a TV show at the time, the Alfred Hitchcock Presents TV show. He used... Uh, a lot of that crew to film, and, uh, like, the studio and whatever they were working at, same place. So, um, it's like, air quotes, independence. It's, you know, because he financed it on his own, but it was still involved with the studios or something, so whatever, it doesn't matter. Now, I guess we can just kind of get into the movie.
2: Yeah.
0: We can go from there. Um, And we'll kind of pop up with random thoughts as we go through it. Yeah. But... This was Maggie's choice. This was my choice. So she gets the lead.
1: This was my choice of movie. Um, I have, this has always been one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, It was one of the first movies I bought when I lived alone for the first time. I had, like, no furniture and no nothing. I just had a TV and a DVD player. And I got this movie. It was, like, a special set from Target. And I just sat there in the floor and watched it. Um, I Did you have
0: any history with Hitchcock stuff before n- Psycho? No.
1: Zero. That's so funny. Zero. Because... Zero. The f- I hadn't even seen The Birds. Before.
0: The very first Hitchcock movie that I know for sure that I saw, uh, and that's not saying, like, maybe I saw, like, The Birds randomly or something, because I know I saw The Birds at some point, but mm-hmm. I don't know, like timeline wise if it was before or after this but the one that sticks out the most in my brain i want to say was middle school maybe could have been high school but i think it was middle mm. school cuz it feels like it was really early on was strangers on a train really and that was the first first of his work that i know for a fact that i saw and i remember loving it i just the the way that the suspense and like the thriller of it goes i was just like I've never seen anything like this before. That's, this is totally different from all the, like, child movies I've watched before that.
1: That, I mean, I guess that's how I felt when I watched this for the first time. I watched it. I watched, um, I watched Stephen King's It really, really early on in life, and I know that I had never seen anything like that before then. I'd, I'd seen that. And then I I watched this and I was like this is better.
0: Shout out Tim Curry. <laughs>
1: Shout out. <Tim> Curry. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I I I love this movie. I've watched it um, a million times. I just adore everything about it. It's my favorite black and white movie.
0: I cannot say that because it's it, man. That's. I mean, I've never given any thought about, like, what's my favorite movie that's in black and white? Uh, I don't know that I could... I mean, I also don't think it's fair to compare, like, different genres sometimes. Because I wouldn't ever directly compare, like, Psycho to Some Like It Hot. Because they're... Sure, they're both black and white, but they're totally different movies.
1: Or, um...
0: And I've I've said many, 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 many times that I think Some Like It Hot is my favorite comedy of all time. I do love Some Like It Hot. But I don't... I mean,
1: I, so. I, I
2: don't know.
0: Favorite. I don't know. Well, saying black and white just so, so such a weird thing to think about because there's, like, fully black and
1: white. Um.
0: Because then you can't put in like Wizard of Oz, which has. Well,
1: that's not entirely. Different.
0: I know. Uh, that's what, what I'm. About, I don't know. Oh,
1: catch the moon.
0: Oh yeah, it's a wonderful man. Ah. <laughs> uh. I can't. I could not. I don't know. Why are you scaring re- your
2: children? <laughs>
0: on the spot, I can't say. If, man, I, yeah, on the but, spot, I can't really say what my favorite black and I white. I think movie gun would to be, your
1: head. It, it's a. You always want to say
0: gun to my head. I know. If I said, if you gun to my head, favorite black and white movie, I would probably say something like A Hot. Huh. Well,
1: um, Mr. Stewart would not care for that.
0: <laughs> Jan- James Stewart might be upset with me, but it is. It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite Christmas movie.
1: I hate that yeah. movie. Well, you're wrong. So. I, don't, I, don't, I, I used to hate it. I've hated it less over the years. Yeah, you're wrong. It's a fantastic movie. No. <laughs> it's a little anyway.
0: This is a James Stewart positive household. This is a... So you better change that attitude. You're right.
1: You're right. <laughs> if this is a Taylor Swift household... Don't make me
0: smack you in the ear like that old... The <laughs> shopkeep...
1: Ah. <laughs> he deafened him in one year. You're right. This is a Taylor Swift and a Patrick Stewart household. Nope.
0: James right. Stewart.
1: That's not right.
0: Yeah, Patrick Stewart's Patrick so, totally Stewart. different. That's different. Positive on Patrick Stewart, too, but totally different.
1: I evened it out. Anyway. <sighs> you know who I meant.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, oy.
1: Yeah. So, anyway... Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. Um, we're getting, um, like I said, like my favorite movie. I never tire of rewatching it. I love, um, oh, I did put this in, in the notes. I loved being able to go to Universal Studios in Hollywood and going to take a picture at the actual filming location. That was really neat. Um:
0: She does have a photo of her being in front of the house as well as on their little tour, they the have lot. a uh Norman Bates actor come at you with a knife.
1: Which is so hilarious to me. I think I don't know how many times a day this little like bus van like goes through the back lots of Universal, but however many times a day it is, there's a man that looks like Norman Bates in a suit. Pretending to load something out of his collar and then approaches us, approaches you as a viewer, and then we're like, you hear the, the song in the background, reet, 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 and then the, the thing takes off. And you're like, ah! ah this is so scary! So scary! <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that was probably one of my favorite things of, of visiting Universal, but also. I love that the, basically the opening scene of Psycho is a very risque scene where we're seeing someone who's a woman that's during this time and during this time of filming, probably we wouldn't be seeing like a bra and undergarments or having an affair or or whatever it is that she's doing. I think that it was a very edgy way to open a movie. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: we did watch the, we, a while back, bought the Alfred Hitchcock collection with, um, I think it's called the collection. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It has Vertigo, Rear Window, Birds, and Psycho in it. Um with the 4K HD versions and the Blu-ray versions, but we watched the, what's considered the uncut version, mm-hmm. which, as the uh, movie says, or the when you're selecting the option, says this is the uncut version that audiences would have seen in the theaters in 1960. Right. The cut version is what was edited out of that original one for screening on like tv stations or something yeah. which seems so strange to me that you'd call the theatrical theatrical release the uncut version i don't know i thought that was weird but it's very strange so we, we watched that version um yep and we do we do open with we see marion crane in a white bra Specifically, that it's white. Uh, It's very pointy. With a man (laughs) named Sam. And I gotta take umbrage with this. Everything, not everything, a lot of places will say she's having an affair with Sam. Right. But Sam says, in this scene, his ex-wife he has to pay alimony to. Right. So, is it an an affair if he's not married? (laughs)
1: I was really. He's confused. a divorcee. I was really.
0: So I don't understand why people keep referring to it as an affair.
1: Divorcee.
0: Divorcee. Whatever. I don't
1: know. I. It's been a while. I thought for sure that he was already married and he was having an affair. He
0: he said so. Sam says in that scene because they're talking for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, And he's complaining about all these debts that he has. Like, that he'd love to run away and do these things, but he's got these debts. He's got debts from keeping his his hardware store afloat Mm -hmm. during the 1960s recession that was happening. That was a real-life thing. It happened, like, 1960, 1961. This movie takes place in, like, December, so it would have been, like, middle of the recession happening. So he uh, paid a lot of his own money to keep his, his store open... And then his, he's got to pay alimony to an ex-wife. And his father also just recently passed away and he has to take care of that. So he's complaining about debts. And it seems clear to me that, like, he's not married. Because why would he be making things about the... I don't,
1: think, yeah, I don't the, think
0: that he is. I feel like he even mentions, like, she's possibly remarrying, which... He would yeah. then not have to pay alimony. Either he would get married again, or she would, and then they wouldn't have to pay alimony or something.
1: But then, like, why are they going to a lucrative hotel? Hotel. I don't
0: know. I did write in my notes that they got a little afternoon delight.
1: <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. I'm sorry. What's an afternoon delight? I don't know. <laughs> they did have a little afternoon delight. Um, she had to. Because she
0: does. She does mention she's got to get back to she's work back before to work. her boss gets back
1: from lunch. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so so Marianne is is headed back to the office. Um, they're closing in on a deal with an oil tycoon, which I don't remember if they said it. I'm assuming he's from Texas because he's got like, Cause a, he's got a cow- cowboy hat on. He's got a cowboy hat. He's got a little bolero thing around his neck. S-
0: speaking of cowboy hats, when Marianne gets back to the office is where we see Alfred Hitchcock outside. Next to a
1: car, just standing there. That's right. Um, I Once think, again, spotting him out in the wild in his movies. Yeah, and
0: Marion to just quickly touch on this uh, is played by Janet Lee. Uh, this is definitely definitely her most famous role. Um,
1: and Janet Lee
0: is. And, and Janet Lee at the time was married to, at uh, an. A fellow actor named Tony Curtis, which mm-hmm. is hilarious that I mentioned some like it hot earlier because yep. he stars in some like it hot. He's
1: from some like it hot.
0: And they are both um, Marion Marion, Janet does get an Oscar nomination for this role. She Did does. She? she doesn't win. She gets nominated for it. Um, Tony Curtis would also get nominated by the Oscars at some point, which made this this past year when the 2023 Academy Awards happened and. Winner of Best Supporting Actress, Jamie Lee Curtis, who is their daughter, won the Academy Award. It makes a lot of sense that in her speech, she mentions that both of her parents had been nominated but never won. never won. So her winning is not just for her, but also for them. Yeah. Uh, Both of them have long since passed away.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I cried at that. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. And I also could not believe that... None of neither of them had ever won an award and she's she's since done um wasn't it Vogue that she she did a uh, a picture spread of her dressed as her mom Jamie from yeah from, mm-hmm. as the character from Psycho yeah
0: again that's like her that is her most famous role yeah um she's done some stuff before this some stuff after it but nothing ever to like this height again um anyway so yeah we do get back to the office um in here another little just kind of fun scene is she is a uh i forget exactly what they say she is i wrote down secretary but she's not quite a secretary she's something else i think she's
1: like an administrator of some sort
0: yeah she in there is the secretary i think
1: accountant oops
0: and this other woman who works there is played by Pat Hitchcock,
1: Yeah.
0: Alfred Hitchcock's daughter. Right, um, which had, was a fun little thing. I had
1: no idea yeah. until we watched the commentary on the video.
0: Uh, yeah, we did watch. We did watch a making of Psycho, not the commentary, but a making of, the making of yeah, which uh, both Janet Lee and Pat Hitchcock were in and talked a lot about making of the movie. Um, also, at this point, <laughs> her character. Janet says, or Marion says, she's got a headache. Yes. And she's got a the migraine. other character offers to give her tranquilizers.
1: <laughs> she goes, "My, didn't she say something like my sister on her wedding day, the doctors gave her the these pills to calm her down? Why don't you have some? Like, are those Quaaludes? <laughs> what is?" It's
2: a
0: tranquilizer. <laughs> is it Xanax? No, a tranquilizer.
1: Okay, so just knock you out.
0: I guess I don't know.
1: That the was... only thing
0: I can think of when it comes to tranquilizers is so where you're literally putting something to sleep.
1: I did that, that. That was hilarious to me. I got these random pills in my bag. You want some of them? <laughs> yeah. them back.
0: It was a different time back then, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, the boss comes back from lunch. Um, he brings with him this client that he's working on closing a deal with. And it is the old oil. Texas oil baron looking guy who immediately starts hitting on Marion. Immediately. And he he's like waving money in her face. Yeah. To be like, come work, with, come work for me. I'll give yeah. you a lot of money. And it's just very... Sh- Gross. Unacceptable. It's very gross. Uh, and everybody just kind of sits there and is like, "Oh, okay." Even the other sec, the secretary lady or whatever, is like, "He must have noticed the ring on my finger because he wasn't flirting with me." She
1: almost seemed disappointed that he wasn't hitting on
0: her. I mean, I would be too if you're just waving a bunch of money in my face.
1: You'd be disappointed if an oil tycoon wasn't hitting a gross. If they Ooh, were that-
0: offering to give me some money,
1: yeah, kinda. Gross. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You and your morals. Okay. Um, so, at this point, the uh, there's some funny lines in here where he mentions, like, basically that he doesn't pay his taxes. That's why he's got so much money and all this, and he only carries cash on him. He offers, um, he's making a payment of $40,000 which the, the boss gives to Marion to take to the bank to cash. And she goes, okay, boss, while I do that, I got a headache, so I'm going to take the rest of the yeah. day off. And the boss is just like, sure. Yeah. Mostly because the cowboy guy is like, yeah, give her the rest of the day off.
1: Pretty he, thing like that? Yeah. He's like, pretty little thing, let her go. We're going to go to a bar or something and go celebrate this big win. Yeah. I don't know what that means for the other lady.
0: Off, I nothing, guess. <laughs> nothing. She's the secretary. Go back to work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, she takes the money. Supposed to be going to deposit it in the bank, uh, but at this point decides. In fact, I'm gonna just take the money, and I'm gonna drive to go see Sam.
1: Well, she she originally is going home, but then we start to see her contemplate and think about what her life could possibly be if she did have this money. So we're looking at her thinking of, oh, Mary she just disappeared this one day. Or I don't know what happened, she she just left. And she's really just kind of considering where she is at in life and where she could possibly be. She's thinking maybe I can take this money and. Me and my man can run away together, and go to an island, Key West. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how just far, an island. I don't know how far away they can go with that money, but
0: I don't know. Nineteen sixties, forty thousand dollars, probably quite a bit.
1: I guess. But yeah, so she's she's we're literally watching her contemplate um doing something that she would never have considered before.
0: Yeah, so basically, on her way out of town, she we get a lot of these shots as she's driving, where she's thinking about what these people would be saying about her, right. and and I love the way that that's done because it really builds that she's like insecure about it and that yeah. she's got a paranoia about it, which uh, you know is her kind of confronting herself about like, am I doing the right thing? Right. This is I know this is. I know that this is wrong. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but Sam, I want to be with Sam. But I, ha- but I, I have this Sam. opportunity. Uh, so I love the way that that does it, and it just kind of builds this paranoia of hers and, like, uncertainty. Um, Until one point. But, the no, the better part is, as she's leaving town, her boss and the cowboy walk right in front of her, and the boss sort of does a double take, like, what the
1: fuck is she doing in she her car? She ends up going to a red light, and she stops... And her boss walks in front of her car and they lock eyes. And this whole time that she's been in her brain about am I doing the right thing or not, she sees him and she goes into an immediate panic. Anxiety attack, for sure. She's like, oh god, oh no, he's, he's seeing me. He knows I'm not where I probably should be.
0: <laughs> yeah, this isn't my home. This isn't my house at all. Should have just reached out and been like, joke's on you. I got kicked out of my apartment. <laughs> For
1: the longest time when I Had first watched- Had too many w-
0: gentleman callers.
1: <laughs> when, the first time that I watched this, I thought that that part was in her head. And it nope. took me a while to realize, no, that wasn't in her head. She actually, like, came across her boss.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Is This whole section here between when she decides to take the money all the way up to getting to the hotel is a great buildup of her paranoia- because things just, minor things that yeah. aren't that big of a deal, she, the way she's reacting to them are, are like she's very clearly yeah. uh, paranoid and worried that she's going to get caught in something. And this is the first great thing. Not only is she in her own head, but now she's run directly into her boss yeah. uh, before just kind of taking off.
1: That would 1 million percent be my luck. Now <laughs> This is why I can't be a, be a criminal. I'm, yeah. I'm too paranoid and I'm too scared. Yeah, that's true. So I don't
0: trust you with any of my criminal activities. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: so, all those criminal activities. Yeah, she, <laughs> she
0: drives all night, ends up sleeping on the side of the road, gets woke up by this cop, who's quite literally just like...
1: He's just like a patrol guy.
0: Ma'am, why didn't you just stop at, like, a hotel? Yeah. Like, why'd you sleep in a car? Or, or a stop. All's good.
1: Or a stop. Or, or like, a, uh, what are they called? Like a rest stop? Like a, like a truck stop. Yeah, a rest stop? Rest stop. Yeah, she just pulled over on the side of the road.
0: It happens. Um, So during this, she's very much... He's just asking her simple questions, and she's all panicky in her responses and stuff. And she's she's like, am am I doing anything suspicious? And I love this part because he goes, yes, you are acting very suspicious. (laughs) suspicious. He just calls her straight out on her bullshit. She's like, "Um, uh, uh, am I doing anything
1: suspicious, officer? And he just goes, yes. (laughs) Also, she's so wide-eyed and so panicked that she can't sit still. On the other hand, he was also very intimidating. Black I don't think so. black aviator sunglasses. I Talk think this bad. goes back
0: to something his daughter said in the uh making of is that apparently Hitchcock was like afraid of police for some reason. Really? Yeah. You you heard that part her his daughter just said like he always had this weird fear of police for whatever reason. Which, yeah. you know, in yeah. modern yeah. times, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, 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 that sense. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, they were probably just as corrupt and bad in the 1960s or something, but I don't know why Alfred Hitchcock specifically might have been afraid of police. Yeah. Um, anyway, also, side note, her license plate on the back of the car has the letters A-N-L.
1: Hilarious.
0: Uh, when I first saw that, one went, Anal? <laughs>
1: Did you say it first, or did I say it first? <laughs>
0: I said it first. Very suspicious Hitchcock. Very suspicious.
1: I was like, "Sorry, what? What was that again?" I never
0: noticed that before. It was also at this point that Maggie quite literally just asked the question uh, for Janet Lee Smasher Pass in
1: this movie. Yes. <laughs> smash or pass? Wait. This is this is important. I'm saying, smash the past now, and not at the end of the movie. Oh wait,
0: Marion Crane.
1: Yes. Yeah, that was my book. (laughs) And you
0: said, I don't think I said anything. I don't think I answered you. Okay. You said smash.
1: Of course, smash. (laughs) She's
0: hot. (laughs) Yeah. Smash her fast. Yeah, she's go. She's good looking. That's on un- I don't know that I'd go as far as saying she's hot, but
1: you wouldn't smash.
0: Sure, sure. When the question is yes, is either yes or no, it'd yeah. be yes. I don't think she's un- like, unattractive. Smash. <laughs> anyway, this is going to be a recurring segment because she mm-hmm. asked it like three times throughout the movie. Yes, I did. Um. So. <laughs> So, we follow Marion again. Um, She notices the officer's kind of following behind her. Yeah. She pulls into a used car lot.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Fun little behind-the-scenes thing. This used car lot was the only on-location bit that they filmed. Just meaning that they went out somewhere and filmed it, so this was an actual used car lot that they filmed in. Right. Everything else in the movie was shot on a studio back lot or in uh, in a set somewhere. Mm Um, so that's a fun little thing. So Marion pulls into a used car lot, walks up to this car dealer, realizes the police, the cops across the street just kind of watching, and goes, hey, I just want to buy a car. I don't give a shit about anything about the car. I just want to buy one. And he's like, uh, okay. You don't want to, like, test drive it or anything? She's like, "No, no, I just want to buy a car. I will trade in my car and give you whatever the difference is. And she pays. In cash. She trades in her car and $700 to get a new car right in front of the officer who was chasing her so it doesn't really make like this is again a great bit of her like weird paranoia is there was no reason she had to do that yeah outside of assuming that they were going to come looking for her anyway Mm -hmm. Um, but she did it right in front of the officer so even if the officer is making notes of any of this he could have been like this lady with this license plate sold that car and then got this car with this license plate anybody can follow that trail it's just her her paranoia that she's going to get caught that she's doing even more suspicious shit and like just rolling up to a used car lot while a cop is watching you and just buying a new car and leaving about as suspicious as you get I don't know It's,
1: it's the blonde lady with the anal license plate yeah Crazy to watch.
0: Uh, so finally, at this point, we get to the Bates Motel.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, She's driven all night. All she, yep. night. In the it rain. It is nighttime again. In the rain. She she pulls over because it's so stormy and rainy. She can't yeah. really see in front of her.
1: I literally I literally said when we were watching this I would I would never you would never drive. In that. I would never drive in that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can barely see. Two feet in front of me without rain. Yeah. And she's and we're we're watching this scene where she's driving and pouring rain in an old car with like shitty windshield wipers and all we see is her like like wincing and glare she's getting like glare from other cars and then we finally see a neon sign for the base motel.
2: Yeah.
1: So she pulls over uh, she gets introduced to
0: Norman Bates before we move on Norman Bates played by Anthony Perkins uh, similarly to Janet Lee this is definitely his most famous role uh, so much so that he would come back to play the character three more times
2: mm-hmm.
0: in in sequel movies which um, I don't know if they're worth checking out or not I I feel like I hear the second one's pretty good, but...
1: I saw the second one. It I don't was, know. It was only okay.
0: So, Maggie also asked, Smasher Pass Anthony Perkins.
1: Yes. Gun to your head. Smasher Pass. I, I'm, the question is, Smasher Pass, not Anthony Perkins. Norman Bates. Norman Bates.
0: No. If, if I were to meet, look, if I was to meet Norman Bates and he acts the way he acts when he talks to her, never. He's so charming. Never a, no.
1: He's so charming. He's a little
0: weird freak. He is weird. He's a little weirdo. I
1: thought that was true.
0: As soon as he offers, I was about to have dinner. I'm going to eat a sandwich and milk. I'd been like, no. <laughs> How old are you? No, I'm out. No thanks. Milk for dinner? I'm not even, I don't even drink milk to begin with, but milk for dinner? What's wrong with you?
1: I always thought he was so charming. You freak. I thought he was, I'm
0: a, I, I he I... would be dead. You like him because he's a weird, freaky introvert, which is exactly what I am.
1: Exactly! <laughs> I'd be dead! I love him! I'm dead! I'm dead. You're I'm dead. in his bog. You would be dead. I'm in his, bog. <laughs> his so, bog.
0: So... So... We get to see... So there's this little hotel... Motel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got twelve rooms, mm-hmm. specifically twelve rooms. No mm-hmm. real reason for that. It's just a recurring line that comes up that um, when he's asked if there's vacancies, we got twelve vacancies and we have twelve rooms. Twelve rooms. So nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's there.
1: No pool, um, no fun area. It's just a dirt a dirt parking lot and then what they describe as a quote unquote parlor. Which is just a creepy room in the back of one of... So in, the, in the back it's, of the office. It's explained
0: that <laughs> this motel used to be off of what would have been the main road in the town. Right. Um, before the highway system started, got built. So, tons of people used to come by here, but now because of highways, nobody really comes by here anymore, so they don't get many people in. Um, Norman Bates lives in the house just up behind... The motel. We saw whenever Marion first showed up. We saw a woman walking past an upstairs window. And then we saw Norman. Yeah. And so Norman checks her in. They have a little bit of small talk. She gets a room key. Uh, just goes right back to her room.
1: And he's very obviously, you know, he sees that she's a beautiful woman, and he's interested in in, you know, gauging her. I don't know. He's interested in, in having her as his company. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> so Norma, or Norma, <laughs> I don't, oh, my no. brain's messed up. <laughs> Marion goes to her room. Yeah. She kind of unloads her bags. <laughs> She's trying to hide the money. She does check, she kind of writes a little note about how much money she actually had. Uh, they
1: have a Bates Motel stationery. Yeah. And that's why she gets excited so that she can make a note.
2: Yeah.
0: Basically, she just writes down... She can't do this math in her head, apparently. She has to write it down. 40,000 minus 700 equals this. And then she rips it out. Yeah. Tears it up. Yeah. Throws it into a toilet. Now, fun little trivia. While this is not...
1: My favorite piece of trivia.
0: Some people... If you look it up, we'll like to tell you that this is the first American film to not only show a toilet, but showing one flushing. Not 100% true. There is a silent film from 1928 called The Crowd, which in the background, you do see a toilet. So technically a toilet has been on film before in an American film before Psycho. But, Psycho is the first American film to have a toilet flush. Uh, right. and, and technically, the again, in the crowd, the 1928 silent film, it's in the background. It's not like a door is, is open like, is to like, the bathroom and you can kind of just see it.
1: Is it like out of frame?
0: No, it's not out of frame or else you wouldn't be able to see it.
1: Well, I don't know. I <laughs> mean, when I say out of frame, like, is it blurred in the background?
0: No. Again, the, the central people are kind of doing their thing in the foreground. The door to the bathroom is open. You see a sink, and you see the toilet seat. That's it. It's not really, in, like, focused on or anything. It's just there. This, Psycho does it a little bit differently because they do deliberately show the toilet, Flash. like, up, cl- up close. So technically, you could say it's the first film to, like, shoot the toilet, I suppose, is the way you would say that. Um, but the bigger thing is like a toilet flushing because they were prudes back in the. It's 50s just so funny because it's not
1: like it's not like it's pee or anything. It's she's just well, flushing. Well, it's paper. because
0: it. Well, I mean, what what do you think about when you think of a toilet? It going to the bathroom. Yeah, that's why. It's I because guess. of what it what it symbolizes, not necessarily just well. There's a toilet. It symbolizes things you don't speak about. <gasps> Poop. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Back then, (laughs) back then, that was a big deal. So funny. Just because you are so open to talking about it, I
1: am the most open-minded person you've ever met.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Try again. Um, (laughs) Crazy. Anyway. So Norman, uh, while she's in there, while she's doing all this sort of stuff. Um, she does hear Norman getting yelled at by his mother. Right. And when Norman kind of comes back and brings her a sandwich and milk, still fucking weird.
1: (laughs) Isn't it like a cheese sandwich or something?
0: I don't, I can't really tell if when she's eating, if it's like just bread with some like meats or cheese or something that she could put on it because it looks like she just picks up a slice of bread and starts eating it yeah eating it um so it's not necessarily a sandwich it's just like i brought you bread milk and some other stuff if you want to put it on top of it it's it's a make your own it's a build your own sandwich with norman date
1: and we've talked about his taxidermy
0: no we're getting there (laughs) um so so he invites her in he says Look, we can go. We can go into the parlor. Um, I don't really think we should do this in the office because it's too. Does he say like, he says something? Some it's like some corny joke. It's like too efficient or something.
1: Oh, he says this is the office. But if we ate in here, though, too, that would be too efficient or too.
0: It doesn't matter. It's a really dumb like joke. So he yeah. takes her to the parlor, which is just this room behind his. Creepy room. <laughs> just the just this room that's full of taxidermied
1: birds. I would love to know anyone that has a parlor in their home, and is it <laughs> or is it not creepy? <laughs> I,
0: I don't. Well, it's not his home. It's it's in the well, it's, motel. So this would just serve sort of as like a common area in a basic hotel nowadays, probably. I don't like the term. Because I think parlor, you think. Like I think old oldie times of people would go back there and like smoke cigars and drink brandy or something.
1: I guess. Um parlor room.
0: Anyway. They sit down, they have a conversation. Uh Norman again kinda seems like excited to have somebody talk about, but he also seems he's also very like yes manning her. Because he's, he'll say something and she kind of disagrees with it. And then he's like,
1: oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I just
0: say that other thing.
1: <laughs> he's so excited to have company. And he's not only excited to have company, but he's, he's excited to have female company. I think. So whatever she says, he's like, yeah. Whatever makes sense to you. Yeah. Is it weird to be in my parlor? Is it weird to have dead birds on my wall? I... Whatever you think.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, he does... She does ask about the taxidermy, and he's like, oh, it's my little hobby. You know, it's, it's cheaper than you think. You just need some, like, thread and, and needles and sawdust, and the chemicals is, like, the most expensive part, but yeah. whatever. And he says that doing it to birds is better than other, other animals, which... I don't really understand completely how that's much different at all. He
1: makes a comment where he says that um, taxidermy to birds makes sense, but he would never do that to dogs or cats or anything like that because they're too human. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. He was like, well, I'm, yeah, this is creepy, but I'm not that creepy. I'm only a little creepy. <laughs> this is also
0: where he brings up that uh, uh, a boy's best friend is his mother. <laughs> which Which, at this point, would you still... No. No? Pass. you th- you'd Pass. think if I told you that my mother was my best friend, you'd
1: be like, ooh, no. Well, I know your mother, and I know that she loves me more than you, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fine. I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> yeah no if 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 someone said a boy a boy's what was it um a boy's best friend is his mother no yeah pass i'm gone <sighs> I'm out of there i'm you can hang out with your dead birds and <laughs> whatever but yeah i'm 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 not gonna
0: He also says here that, because she she brings up hearing the argument, and he just says, you know, she just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. And this kind of serves two purposes, which is we'll come back to it later on towards the end of the movie. But more importantly in this point, Marion kind of realizes she says that she thinks she did go a little mad once. Like, going mad once is enough. And what she's insinuating is through talking to him she sort of realized that taking the money was bad. yeah, And that she should really go back and maybe seek, like apologize and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff instead of continuing. Because she tells him, I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm gonna get up early in the morning. I'm gonna drive back to Phoenix.
1: And I'm gonna write my wrongs. Not
0: Yeah, basically insinuating that she's changed her mind and she's gonna go back, give the money back, and all that sort of stuff. Um, To Norman, he doesn't know what that means. He's just like, oh, okay, well, I'll I'll bring you breakfast in the morning, I guess. (laughs) Ha ha ha.
1: He literally made her realize that, like, he's crazy crazy, or or his mom is crazy crazy, and she has the, she still has time to go back on what she did and fix it so that she's not crazy.
0: Yeah. And so she goes back to her room. We get this lingering shot on Norman here, just sort of listening to her go off to her room, because she was in room number one, so it's right next to the office, right next to the parlor. And we hear her, like, messing around, fiddling with things.
1: Uses the stationery. Turning
0: on a shower. And Norman, being a little freaky perv, Takes off a bird painting, and all of a sudden there's a peephole. And inside this peephole, we see her top off, wearing a black bra this time. She's wearing a Why black. is that important? Well, if you remember, at the beginning she was wearing white. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a color choice to symbolize kind of like her purity goodness mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. I don't think, I guess you can't really say purity, but her not having been a thief... And then the black is a symbolization mm-hmm. of now she has done like something wrong, yeah. like criminal basically.
1: She's done something that she feels is immoral and criminal and she is a, a, a bad girl at this point, but she is she's in her head turning things around so that she can make right of everything.
0: Yeah. Um, and then we come to what is easily the most famous shot in the whole mm-hmm. movie. Uh, this is the shot, if you know anything about Psycho, this is what would come up. Beep, 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 beep. It is the shower scene. Marion's taking a shower. Uh, and as she's doing that, we see a shadowy figure through the shower curtain coming up to her. They swing open to the shower curtain with a knife in their arm and stab down a bunch of times. Killing our lead... Of Our the movie,
1: yeah. killing
0: the lead character ab- uh, about halfway through the movie,
2: yeah.
0: and this is big for a couple reasons. One, we don't see who this is. Right, we, it's a shadowy we figure. No we don't see a face. Is. We don't. We don't know what it is. The um, your assumption at this point is that it was the mother. Mm-hmm. It's the only other person we know who's there. We haven't really seen. The only time we saw her was also a shadowy figure, kind of walking past the window at one point, point. and. Secondly, Marion is killed.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, which is huge because again, she was our lead that we spent all of this time with.
1: All of our investment. Uh,
0: this shower scene is super famous. Um, there's a lot of like miscommunications, misinformation about the scene itself. Uh, even Hitchcock uh, put out bad information in there, saying mm-hmm. that this this scene was shot with 70 different camera. Yeah setups and it's like 45 seconds where they do a bunch of cuts in between all those things Um, somebody at one point did actually sit down and count it and and the definitive answer is in this scene with all the cuts that they do to the music and the stabbings and everything is there are 60 individual camera shots between POV views tilted cameras Mm. cameras pointing down knife camera whatever Um, it's a great shot it really, it's kind of chaotic and, and a mess and throws you into that whole situation happening right at that moment. Uh, and it's great. And it's fantastic to see. It's, it's a surprise. If you don't know about it going in, huge shock. Yeah. Huge shock. Oh, a huge, and huge even, shock. And even, even again, even though I knew that it was coming, I didn't really know. I knew generally that it happens... At some point into mm-hmm. the movie, like, you're invested in the character into the movie, and then it's, like, a big, like, twist <laughs> to the story. But it's a while into the movie. Longer than yeah, I actually thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, it's
1: a long while. And I'm, I'm so happy because I have <laughs> one of the few pieces of, of merchandise that I got from Universal Studios when I went and I did that whole, like, back lot... Back lot? Back lot thing... Um, and going to to see the place where it was filmed was I went to the merchandise store and I got a, a bath towel that's all white and it says Bates motel on it and then it's got like fake blood spatters. It's so cool. Looking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: So as this happens, uh, Norman Bates comes running into the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is shocked and surprised to see this body, and he then starts to clean things up. Yeah. He starts to... He He's takes the shower curtain down.
1: panic cleaning.
0: He puts her body into the shower curtain, rolls it up, shoves it into the back of her car in, in the trunk. He kind of picks up her belongings and stuff in the room, shoves those into the car as well, including the money.
2: Yeah.
0: And he kind of just cleans up the area to make it look like nothing had happened. And then he takes the car over to a swamp that he lives nearby and he just puts the car out into the swamp and we see yeah. the car slowly sink with Marion's body in the trunk and all of her belongings, including that $40,000... Well, not $40,000 like, uh, uh I'm sure she had to pay him some money for the hotel room or whatever. Just over $30,000 at this point. And she well i guess 39,000 and yeah. something dollars car sinks norman's just kind of standing there overlooking it and we cut to basically a few days later
2: mm-hmm.
0: a week later or something like that uh, i don't quite remember what exactly it might say and we come to find out that um People have been looking for Mm Marion since she left. Not quite a missing persons report or anything like that. We meet her sister, Lila, who she had spoke with earlier on the phone near the beginning of the movie. And she comes to Sam's hardware store. She assumed if Marion went missing and took all that money, she must have been coming to see Sam. So she goes to meet Sam. This is where we get a fun little movie history trivia stuff again. Mm -hmm. In that we learn that Sam's last name is Loomis. Right. So his name is Sam Loomis. Mm -hmm. And and this is the fun trivia bit is for horror fans. Uh, It's kind of twofold. One, the original Halloween film starring Jamie Lee Curtis. So another tie back to Psycho itself. Is Dr. Samuel Loomis... Named after the character of Sam Loomis from Psycho. Uh, so a double relation to Psycho and Halloween there is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, stars in Psycho, right. and a character name carries over. But it goes even a step further to the original Scream movie. In Scream, we have a character named Billy Loomis, whose name is a reference to Dr. Sam uh... Loomis, who is a reference to... Sam, Loomis, and Psycho, so it's like a threefold thing. Right. And it goes even further, because if you go to Scream 7 or Scream... Wait, is it Scream 5 or Scream 6? Whatever the last two Screams were, you have a character whose name is Sam Carpenter, who oh. Carpenter is a reference to John Carpenter. Right. Um, but her father is Billy Loomis, so technically her name could be Sam Loomis... Which is another extra layer of Samuel Dr. Samuel Loomis from Halloween and Sam Loomis from Psycho. So there's a lot of carrying over of the Loomis name and Sam or Samuel names. Love it. Uh, throughout these very famous horror franchises.
1: I love that these horror franchises are like an onion and you like peel away some of that they <laughs> peel things. the layers peel away. Peel the layers away and we get more and more interesting and satisfying facts. Yes.
0: Uh so Lila meets Sam and basically explains to Sam that she's gone missing and she thought maybe she'd come here to see him. And he's like, No, I haven't seen her at all. And as they're talking, in walks a detective or not a detective, a private investigator named Arbitage
1: Arbagast. Arbagast.
0: And he says, I was hired to look for her. She stole $40,000. Mm-hmm. And Sam's like, what the fuck? That's crazy. I haven't seen her, though. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to keep looking for her. And if I find something, I'll let you know. Um, he was obviously hired by, like, the the cowboy um, mm-hmm. to get his money back, basically. Arbogast says, okay, well, she came this way somewhere. Maybe she stopped at a hotel or something. I'm going to go and check out all these hotels. We follow uh, Arbogast for a minute. As he checks a bunch of different hotels and things, and finally he wanders into Bates Motel, and he meets Norman, and he says, "I almost didn't see your place because your sign's not on." And Norman's just like, "Oh, I forget to do that all the time. Whatever." Um, And he turns it on, and he starts to get asked questions of like, "Was there this young girl here?" Norman says, "No." He goes, "Well, do you mind if I look at your sign-in book?" And he's like, "Sure, go ahead." And he looks. And he goes, ah, oh, I also have a sample of her handwriting. And he matches it up to a fake name that Marion put into mm-hmm. the logbook. And then all of a sudden Norman's like, oh, yes, I do remember oh, her. wait a
1: minute. I Yeah, now that you mention that, I, I do. And he's, like, nervously eating, like, candy. Candy corn. Candy candy, candy corn. corn is what he eats the entire
0: yeah. time. Just randomly has candy corn. Yeah. Um, so, so he starts to kind of backpedal on what he was saying. And yep. the, and Arbogast is like, okay, well, what do you remember? What room was she in? Would you mind if I looked? Um, and all this stuff. And, and he seems suspicious of Norman. But he kind of just says she was here for the night. She left early in the morning. Said she was going back to Phoenix. I, I don't know. I can't Norman's help Norman's also that.
1: acting weird as fuck.
0: Yeah, but he also always acts weird as fuck. But he looks very suspicious mm-hmm. because he's directly being asked about this girl who he knows was murdered so Arbogast is like alright well see ya and goes outside finds a phone booth Mm -hmm. calls back to Sam's uh, hardware store and tells them I found where she stayed he said she left for the morning but I don't exactly trust that Um, he said that his his mother potentially saw her so I'm gonna go and, and try and ask her about it Um, because he, when I asked, said no, but I'm just going to go up there and try and ask her anyway, see if she knows anything. And I will get back to you within, like, an hour to tell you what I found out, if Mm -hmm. anything. So Arbogast goes back. Uh, He doesn't see Norman at the office or anything, so he climbs up the stairs up to the house, and he goes into the house. And as he's kind of being sneaky he's walking up the stairs to the second floor and we get this aerial shot kind of this looking down as he's climbing up the stairs there's this open door in one of the rooms at the top of the stairs and as which, he's- by,
1: which by the way this this whatever set this is in the stairs you have seen it in uh twilight zone a lot not only that shot but also the guy that plays Arbignaz, or Arb- Arbogas Arb- Arb- Arbogast. in Twilight Zone, all the time, if you're a Twilight Zone fan, you've seen this, this, this study, or this downstairs, upstairs situation. I don't know what you call i't know house.: I don't know what you call it. house.: that. It's a house, but it's like very specifically a shot from up the stairs and where you see the downstairs.
0: Oh, I don't know. I don't know what that
1: the is. The
0: top down shot. Sure. But yeah. Uh, so as he's getting at the top of the stairs, Maggie says this was her like favorite scene. Yes,
1: it's my favorite
0: scene. Uh, all of a sudden, the detective is rushed by somebody in a dress, slashed across the face, and we get this w- it's wonky so ass camera shot it's so of terrible. Arbogast... Not falling down the stairs, but, like, walking backwards down the stairs with a cut on his face. A very, like, shallow-looking cut on his face.
2: That is the stupidest thing.
0: He walks backwards down the stairs, falls backwards, and then the the figure kind of follows after him and stabs him a bunch of times, killing him.
1: It is the most hilarious shot.
2: It of is very someone funny.
1: falling down a set of stairs. Yeah. It is very slow. And it is very It's so, weird. Wo- it's so wonky looking. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, oh, oh Yeah. You can't see what I'm doing, but it's it's so stupid. It is so dumb. And it is just a very slow mode motion of of falling down a flight of stairs. Yeah. But
0: hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Um, After that, we go back to Sam and Lila. And Lila's kind of like, we haven't heard from him. He said we'd get back to us whether good news or bad news. And Sam goes, okay, well, why don't we go to the local sheriff and talk with him and see if he can, like, call the hotel or, or, or something or get out there. Maybe he'll go with us and he'll investigate. So they go to the sheriff's house late at night. Wakes the sheriff up. He's in, like, a robe and stuff. Him and his wife are just... You know Oh my god, that old Hardly guy. awake. And the sheriff is like, so tell me what happened. Okay, so there's a missing girl, $40,000. Sounds like she just ran away. Uh, have you put out a missing persons report? Because that would actually get the police to do something and find her. No, okay. Uh, this detective went to the Bates Motel. Yeah, I know that place. Um... But then he catches on to them, keeps saying something about uh, the mother, Mm -hmm. and he says, "Well, Norman Bates is is a pretty nice young man. He runs that whole place, but I I find it hard to believe anybody saw his mother, because she's been dead for ten years. She's buried over in the graveyard over there. Yeah. Uh, and they're all kind of shocked, whereas an audience is supposed to be shocked because we've seen a a we watched a woman in the window.
1: Yeah, a figure who looks like a woman. And who's also yelled at Norman.
0: Yeah, and and we've heard an argument Mm -hmm. and stuff, so it's very shocking to hear this news. And they're like, well, can you please just do something? And the wife calls an operator, gets a phone to the hotel, hands the phone to her husband. The husband speaks with Norman, asks about the detective and stuff, says that the detective was there and that he left... Uh, to try and go find the girl and that she had left and that's what he relays to her he says if you want in the morning come by my office we'll fill out a missing paper missing persons report that way the police can actually get involved and maybe look into this and figure out what's happened sam and lila not happy with that kind of just go with it because they can't really do much else um and we cut to the next morning it's sunday or do we is it do we do the next morning? What we're told is that... Norman's mother killed herself and her lover... In a, like a murder-suicide thing ten years ago. Uh, and Norman has been running the hotel ever since then. Right. Um, the next morning... We... It's Sunday. Everybody's getting out of church. Lila and Sam are there. And the, det- the sheriff comes out with his wife. And he says, look... I went over to the hotel. Mm-hmm. I talked to Norman got the information, he basically told me the same thing that he seems to have told the detective, is that she was there, she stayed, she left early in the morning, was going back to Phoenix. Nothing more to really talk about. He said the detective got that, maybe he went that way, trying to look for her and just forgot to call you. So...
1: I think that people, I think that some people can be on a church high.
0: A church high? Yeah. What does that mean?
1: I think that on maybe on Sundays... Some people go to church, and they get all churched up, and when they get out, they're just like, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't remember, I'm just, I'm so happy right now, and I'm so churched up,
0: and... Have you met people who've gotten out of church and were, like, on endorphins? Kinda. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever met anybody like that.
1: You don't think that the traffic outside of a church is better? I don't know,
0: time. but I've also never, like, just stood around to talk <laughs> to people after the fact. Oh, well, I was worse. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I, I suppose that the they get filled up with the Holy Spirit yeah. and just...
1: Church high.
0: Ch- sure. Church high. <laughs> I
1: don't endorse it, but
0: I think it's a thing. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, Sam and Lila decide... Uh, nobody's done enough. We're going to go to the hotel and check it out ourselves. So they go to the Bates Motel, and they get there, and they meet Norman, and they see... They kind of get signed in. They get a room. They get room, like, 10 or something towards towards the back. Yeah. Um, during this time, at one point, we do also see Norman take a body out of the bedroom that we saw somebody attack from earlier and brings her down to the fruit cellar. There's a whole thing about him being like, we gotta take you to the fruit cellar uh, because you know now we've had a detective show up. People are maybe trying to come here. I just want to hide you. Um, And she's like, oh, do you think I'm a fruit? Do you think I'm fruity?
1: Oh, and it was rolled in a rug. No. No?
0: No. He carries her body downstairs. It's in, like, a dress oh, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that top-down oh, shot yeah. again. He takes her to the fruit cellar to hide her.
1: Which, what is a fruit cellar?
0: It's where you keep your fruit.
1: Why would you keep your fruit in a cellar? It would go bad.
0: I mean, it, wouldn't it go bad anywhere else? I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, while... They're getting signed in. They notice that Norman does seem to be acting kind of weird. And he... They come up with a plan. Sam is going to... Basically distract Norman... To give Lila time to search the room number one. To try and see if there's any proof or evidence of her sister being there. While she's searching that room... She does find... I don't know how anybody else would have missed this if they searched the rooms, paper behind or near the toilet with some scribbling on it mm-hmm. that says $40,000. So she's like, okay, my sister was here. One million percent. We know for a fact. Yeah. So let's figure out what happened to her. Um, Sam is then just kind of talking to Norman. He's like, okay, I'll talk to Norman. You go up to the house. You try and meet meet the mother, talk to her, see if she saw her or knows anything. Uh, Lila's like, I can take on an old lady, no problem. Yeah. And while Sam's talks Sam is like the worst distraction imaginable. He,
2: he really starts is. off
0: just kinda of talking to Norman, but the whole time he's like being intimidating. And it's like, dude, why didn't you if you're just distracting him, why don't you just have a normal conversation about sandwiches and milk or taxidermy birds or something.
1: It feels like he's trying to be intimidating and not he that is. he is intimidating.
0: No, he...
1: I feel like he's trying
0: really hard. I mean, he, I, I suppose so, but he's very much being intimidating and is making Norman uncomfortable. Um, eventually to the point that he's basically being aggressive and being like, What'd you do to her? Where'd right. she go? Tell me yeah. the information. It's like, why... Just keep your cool instead of like causing a, a commotion. Um, so Lila gets into the house, again, no knocking, nothing, literally just opens the door, walks in, kind of looks around, goes upstairs, goes into the room that we've seen people coming out of before, and it's a bedroom, and it's right. it's very clearly like the mother's room. There's a big, uh, like, vanity, is that what they're called? vanity oh, dresser van- thing. Vanity. Um, some d- other mirrors and stuff. Uh, yeah, a weird... Like, <laughs> uh, we have sort of this it, because I'm just uh, I sleep like oh. a rock. That after a while, this there's is, like a little no, indentation. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's but, not that bad. But um, it's like if you just if you l- laid something down on a bed and never moved it for a long time, eventually it'd leave an indent indentation. So we see what looks like a indentation of a of a person um, who had just been laying there, which seems kind of weird. Um, Lila also spooks herself by looking in the vanity mirror and seeing her own reflection. And it's like, ooh, spooky. But she doesn't see anybody. So she starts to kind of peek out the window and notices that basically Sam and Norman have gotten into a fight, and Norman Sucker punches Sam... Or hits him over the head with something kind of... Doesn't necessarily knock him out... But knocks him down for a moment... And he's running up towards the house... And Lila... Can't get out of the house in time... And instead... Hides on the staircase... Leading to the fruit cellar... And when Mm -hmm. Norman comes in... She goes into the cellar itself... And while she's in the cellar... Just listening to like... Norman rummage around upstairs and everything... She bumps into something... And she turns and turns it around slowly, thinking it's Mrs. Bates or Miss Bates. And slowly turning around in this chair is revealed that it is not a living person, but the corpse of Norman's mother in that chair.
1: She's a skeleton.
0: She's not quite a skeleton, but she's definitely like mummified-ish. So, the chemical... Basically, the insinuation is the chemicals that he used for taxidermy, he used on his own mother to try and keep her sort of taxidermied. um, Embalmed or something, I guess, maybe. Yeah. I don't really know how embalming works or if that's, like, the general idea, but he's clearly been doing something to try and keep her... Preserved. Preserved, yes. And Lila sees this. Lila screams. And then we get another pretty famous shot in that... Bursting through the door to the cellar is Norman in a dress with a wig and the knife revealing that Norman, this whole time, has been his mother. Anytime anybody saw his mother moving around or the shadowy figure in the shower, it was Norman dressed as his mother. In the nick of time, Sam shows up, wrestles him down, takes the knife out of his hands, and then we kind of cut to a prison, uh, the prison, or the jail, police, house, whatever. I think
1: it's like a, yeah, like a, I think it's a local jail, and then he gets, he ends up getting moved to, like, a jail jail.
0: Yeah. Um, so, what we get here is we kind of see some of our central characters, which is we see, um, Lila, Sam, the sheriff, kind of sitting there and the sheriff's like oh i'm sorry we didn't figure this out sooner and all of a sudden a psychiatrist walks in and goes okay
2: mm-hmm.
0: so we have confirmed uh norman has or mrs Bates, Bates has admitted to having killed your sister and the detective and that he dumped their cars in the swamp nearby. Um, so if you go and dredge the swamp, you'll probably find those things, based, find and the, the bodies helpful. confirming the information. And they just kind of ask him, like, "Why? what the fuck? W- what was going on? What is all of this about? And the psychiatrist yeah. gives a kind of long monologue that sort of says that Norman has, through, uh, like, abuse and traumas that he had suffered at the hands of his Domineering mother,
1: at uh, as a kid,
0: as a kid has basically created a split personality, where he is himself some of the times like the mild mannered, introverted Norman Bates that you might have interacted with, who's kind of sort of a pushover more or less, mm-hmm. and then there's the dominant figure, which is his mother, who. Um, kind of did all of the killings and stuff. So Norman, yes, killed them, but also, no, didn't actually kill them. Um, And he just kind of goes on a long-winded sort of monologue to explain the split personality and kind of how it works, and that Norman didn't confess to killing things, but his mother mother admitted that they were killed by, by Norman. And it's sort of a fun little... Twist on the story is that it was a split personality sort of thing, Mm -hmm. Um, and especially in the '60s, I don't know how common talks about split personalities or things like that were. I mean, we get, you know, we have like the another movie you love, Split, which is about a guy who's got multiple personality disorder. I love that Um, movie. uh, And and that's, you know, and a lot of that movie is also talks about like. Mm -hmm who's really responsible in that situation because sometimes... The parent, Sometimes the different personalities don't know what other personalities did. That's yeah. how this works sometimes. is like, your brain, when you become the other personality, sort of forgets what that other yeah. one did. Some people remember, like, just randomly waking up and they were, like, driving a car or something. Yeah. Um, so it's a very interesting, twisty take to the story. Um... We do see, at one point, some uh, officer comes in and says, um, he said he was cold. Can I bring him this blanket? And they're mm-hmm. like, sure, he's harmless. And he goes and brings him this blanket. And then we I get, love that get, We get a very classic, famous shot of Anthony Perkins sitting here <laughs> with the blankets kind of draped over his shoulders. Like an old woman. And he, yeah, kind of like an old woman, like a Shaw or whatever. And... He's speaking to himself as his mother, saying, They don't have anything. You're you're so sweet or I'm so nice. They don't know anything. Um, I wouldn't even hurt a fly. Or there there's a fly lands on him and goes, Look, I'll show them. They're watching me. Yeah. I know that they're watching. They're always watching. And I'm gonna show I've them that I'm not dangerous, that I wouldn't even hurt this fly. Yeah. And he kinda like Looks up at the camera. His brows sort of, his head's kind of tilted down. As he's looking through his eyebrows in this like very evil, menacing he's kinda look. He's kind of doing that
1: Ronda Rousey look up. <laughs> Ronda Rousey look. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and that shot is great. I love it. Um, but the movie ends with a very quick cut to them pulling a car out of the swamp and mm-hmm. then it. Ends. That's it. Just yeah. a quick, end. Um, so that's Psycho.
1: That is Psycho.
0: It is a brilliant movie. It's definitely. I mean, our, again, I've not seen every Alfred Hitchcock film, but it's easy to understand why this would be regarded as like his best movie. Like this is his masterpiece. This is the magnum opus, sort of.
1: It's my favorite. Thing. And I uh, i don't know why, when I was younger, when people would be like, what's your favorite movie? I didn't want to say Psycho. <laughs> For people to be like... <laughs> it's not even that bad. I don't think it is.
0: It's also kind of considered a precursor to sl- the slasher genre.
2: Yeah. Even
0: though, because... Even though there's really and Alfred Hitchcock wanted to get away with the shower scene,
2: mm-hmm. he
0: didn't want to do anything nearly that violent again. That's why the detect the private investigator's death is sort of goofy mm-hmm. with him like wobbling backwards down the stairs. Yeah. That's far less violent than the shower scene yeah, that is. um the score to it is brilliant. Amazing. Uh, the the main sort of theme that gets played over and over again is fantastic. And Love it. Yeah, and Anthony Perkins is great. Absolutely fantastic. Knocks and it out of the park.
1: And
0: Janet Lee's great.
1: Also also attractive.
0: Who? Anthony Perkins? Yeah. Yes, Anthony Perkins is a good looking guy.
1: Stop fighting.
2: Um... <laughs>
0: Sorry, the cat and dog are trying to play. Or, well, more she's trying to play and Max doesn't know what playing is. So she just kind of pounces at him and he's like, oh, leave me alone.
1: I think they're equally sexy.
0: Who? Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. The guy who played Sam's pretty attractive.
2: No.
0: Maybe a more, like, generic... Like, this is what attractive men should look like sort of thing. I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the movie is great. For the first, basically for the first time I've ever seen it, um, I very much, even though I did know what the twists and stuff were coming, because I didn't really know the connective tissue, I was still invested and interested in what was going on and sort of what the next thing was Mm -hmm. and what the sort of story beats were. Um, and yeah, I I loved it.
1: I think it's a great movie. I think you can enjoy it at any point in life, and... It just has so many great attributes. Yeah. I love it. I'm gonna watch it a million times over.
0: Well, good thing we own it. You can watch it whenever. Hell yeah! It's also stream... I think it's streaming on Peacock, Maybe. Um, just because I know that... The, I'm pretty sure they have other Hitchcock films. I just don't... They have The Birds.
1: I think the they birds. probably have Psycho, too. They're birding him. Da-da, they're birding, they're him. birding him. Well, if you haven't watched it, I I would like to recommend that you...
0: Yeah, even though we just literally s- spoiled the entire movie, yeah, sorry, you should still go watch it because obviously we didn't go over every single nitty gritty detail. It kind of gave you the bullet points of the actual movie itself, but it is the definition of a classic for sure. Classic. Uh, it is going to be mentioned and talked about for ever. Um, I don't. I don't think you can ever get away from it. It's very brilliantly done and. Um, I am interested in s- s- kind of reading more into the changes between the book and, and the movie. Yeah. Because the writer for the screenplay did say that the Norman Bates in the book is an older, slightly older gentleman than what they went with for the movie. And that he's not empathetic at all. Like, he's just, really? he don't, he's not likable. He's just, he's not empathetic. And they wanted to change it to make his character in the movie slightly younger, and to be, that you can kind of understand and sort of feel for him. Like, you can kind of, you can understand through his conversations and stuff with Marion that, like, um, he doesn't really have people to talk to, he's kind of alone, so he's, like, a little bit excited about talking with somebody, and that through these discussions that he has with his mother and the ultimate reveal, that you can kind of be like, oh, wow, he's just, like, he's just fucked up. For the sake of it. Like, he wasn't just doing this for, like, some weird, sick... Whatever. It was quite literally he... he, His mother was so dominant in his life... That when he... When he killed his mother and her lover... Because... Uh... (laughs) Don't shoot, the cat just went crazy. That he... All of a sudden, like, in his brain... Clicked off, and now he had another personality of his mother... Who... Refused to let him have any women in his life. No, I
2: don't
1: want that. Yeah. I want to stick with the hot
0: one. Yeah. No, that was this movie. That's what I'm saying. He's like, he's meant to be more empathetic in this movie to where you can understand, like... Even though maybe you can't quite understand split personalities or multiple personality disorder, you can at least understand, like, oh, so, like... He had, like, serious trauma and was really fucked up. And when he was himself, he was a relatively sweet, nice, albeit introverted, lonely guy.
2: <clears throat>
1: well, it's, it's off-putting. <laughs> but also a great story. <laughs>
0: Look, it's it's a red flag any the moment you say, I drink milk for dinner. So I would have been... Yeah,
1: no. Red flag... If anyone you know says that they want to have milk with their dinner, hard pass. Hard pass. Hard pass. I'm still 50 50 on milkshakes with dinner. (laughs) I don't think anyone needs to have that much milk and calories with other calories. Who do you know that has a milkshake with dinner? I don't know. Exactly.
0: People go no out to, one. like, fast food places or something? No one. Kids, maybe?
1: Kids are the only exception.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think that brings us to the end of this. Um, thank you for listening again. Check out all of our other episodes if you haven't listened to those. Uh, this was our s- eighth one. I think we've now done this for two... Is it
2: eight?
0: F- for two months now maybe something like that uh so yeah the, wherever you're listening to this give us a follow give us a like a rating um you can find our podcasts basically everywhere it's on spotify podbean apple um they're it's on youtube as well so anywhere you check it out give us a follow like comments any feedback is always very much appreciated
1: any comments let patrick know if he was wrong about anything
2: yeah
0: Ha 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 you can always catch us every week as well over at Twitch where we do a review of a movie we'd seen that week, Friday nights live, so you can interact with us directly there. Or you can find us over at Instagram, uh, Facebook at C O A S underscore podcast for chicken on a stick.
1: That's you can it.
0: also just search that up on YouTube, Chicken on a stick. Okay. Thanks for stopping by and listening. We'll see everybody next week with something else.
1: Something else. We'll catch you next time.
2: Goodbye. Goodbye.